Welcome to Rule 11, a weekly football officiating conversation. Rule 11 is a podcast show discussing all areas around college football officiating, on the field and off. Our passion is to help others pursue their goals in college officiating. The only way to improve is to work to improve, and this is one avenue to hone our craft. So we hope you enjoy the conversation just as much as we do on the road toward the perfect game. So thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Got a whirlwind going on upstairs right now. Let it all roll out. Okay, here we go. Um, episode conversation number 17 today. Yes. Um, I'll probably say that for a little while and I'll stop saying that one. I can't keep counting anymore. <laughs> um, thank you for everybody that listens and helps us and uh, supports us. Yep, absolutely. Thanks uh, for for sending us an email mm-hmm. and uh, that sort of thing just keeps us going. Yep. Yeah, got to... Uh, 98 Twitter followers the other day. <laughs> 98. Two <laughs> yeah, more two more. Let's go. Let's get, get to that century mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna have a guest. Today we're gonna talk about the new rules for 2018. Yep. Right? Uh, Steve Stremling for the Pac-12 is gonna come on and and tell us what he uh, what he knows and understands about the new rules, and I'll go through those with some uh, thoroughness. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's just start out with some business website email that type of stuff. Okay. The website is rule11officials.com. Please go there and um, add your email, subscribe. It's easy. Just go to the front page and put your email in and hit the subscribe button. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, as we mentioned, <laughs> we're trying to hit a milestone with 100 Twitter followers. So if you can go to at rule11officials and follow us, that'd be great. And then if you want to send us an email... Uh, rule11officials at gmail.com. Um, we've been getting more and more email, and that's been great. So, and we do respond. So, if you have any questions about anything or have a suggestion, feel free to send it our way. So, yeah. Sorry, I cranked up your 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 levels a little bit. So, wanted to crank, <laughs> crank old D up. So, yeah. also, if anybody was wondering, um, uh, we we kind of touched on it at the end of our last talk with Brandon. Yeah, about his presentation. Yeah, he I, gave us the uh, green light to give us the green light to put it up there, and it's in the show notes. So if you go to the website and to the uh, to that episode on the uh, podcast page, you'll see the uh, his presentation as a download. So yeah, recommended. Take a look. Yep, take it's, a look. It's uh, it's loaded with info. Loaded. So. So, um, how was your week, Tyler? People giving me uh, crap. Yeah, you were getting a little, you getting a little flack, huh? <laughs> about not asking you how you. Well, were. that was only about what three, two months ago. <laughs> but uh, they remember. So, how yeah, was your well, week? It was, um, it was good. Uh, last week uh, it was our first, my first week back at work. See, I got that phrase right yeah. this time. How was uh, Mexico? Mexico, hot, <laughs> hot, real hot. <laughs> yeah, um, but. We had a great time. We had good food. Yeah. Um, some good hot sauces. Nice. Good food. I can't say that. <laughs> it was really fun. We had a great time. No. That's Laid in awesome. the sun and got a lot of sun. So 
Yeah, yeah. You're looking a little darker today. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, trying to <laughs> look a little southern. I don't know. Uh, how about you? How was your week? No, it was pretty good. Uh, over the weekend, I went to the National Referees Clinic. Yeah, how was that? In Dallas, Texas. It was incredible. It was good. Um, recommended for anybody that can go uh, next year. Um, just the, the best referee minds in the country. Um presenting to us so uh pretty pretty cool deal so and don't think if you're if you're not a referee you can't attend either right 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 yeah, i mean it's, it's for open for anybody, anybody so yeah obviously referees are going but there's aspiring referees there and there's people that just want to know about more about the referee position or get just the up-to-date information because yeah. people like uh steve shaw Rock yeah cfo there. cfo yeah. guys talking about new rules yeah. all type stuff so yeah okay policy makers basically so. yeah big yep. time big time okay what about a quote of the week? How about that? You got one of those today? Quote of the week, which I got actually from the referee clinic. It wasn't by one of those. They just quoted someone else, Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. He said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Yeah, that's great. So, a great quote. He's full of great quotes. Yep. Soak that in for a little bit. Yep. Okay, so um, we're going to go to Steve. He's going to be calling in. We're going to chat with him and then um, see yeah. how this goes. I'm sure it's going to be great. So yeah. give us a couple minutes. Thanks. He hit him in full stride and their flags in the backfield. 23-yard gain. Personal foul, roughing the passer. Defense number 51. 15 yards out into the end of the play. Automatic first down. Frankie Louvu. Well, that's the voice of today's guest, Steve Stremling from the Pac-12. How you doing, Steve? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that was an Apple Cup last year, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we have Steve on today to talk a little bit about... Um, to this year's new rule changes. So we're going to go through these uh, one at a time, and Steve's going to break some things down and, and add some uh, information to maybe where they came from, how they started, and any other thing that he might have. So um, let's start with your road to the Pacific 12 Conference. Yeah, we usually start this way. Um, we You've been a long-time official, so um, if you want to give us the bridge version. <laughs> Cliff note. <laughs> We'll, we'll cut this back. Uh, the Pac-12 um, added a, added teams in, in 2011, and uh, at that time they were also going uh, uh, an office change in their staff. And um, Mike Pereira was was uh, kind enough to select me, coming from the Western Athletic Conference. I had worked there for uh, five years and uh, worked at three different positions. And when the Pac-12 expanded teams, they needed additional people. And Mike uh, hired me into the Pac-12 as a field judge. And uh, previously, I had worked for Mike when he was in the NFL, and they had guided the arena football program. So a um, little bit of relationships, uh, you know, go back, and you never know when uh, they'll play in handy. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and jump into new rules because I think people are anxious to hear a little bit more about them. Um, you and I were both at the referee clinic with Steve Shaw and Rogers Redding talked about the upcoming new rules, a little bit more about those. 
Um, so we're going to jump into those. Uh, the first thing we're going to start with is the knee pad rule. Um, so could you give us uh, kind of your thoughts on that and kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the knee pads, you know, this started last year and they, they told us what's coming. And, uh, the, you know, for years we were the keepers of cleaning up the game. Um, so we, we all know that they want the, the knee pads this year need to be covered completely by the pants um, in addition to keeping the rest of the uniform uh, in legal order. Uh, I think the key there is how they want this implemented from us. Um, the first thing that was discussed is in the pregame on the field um, is to sort of be a little more diligent uh, in seeing if everyone's legal or can be legal in the game. If they can't show you they can be legal, um, when they leave the field, we're now going to hand them a card uh, to their trainers or equipment managers that, that these are the people that need to be in compliance when they come back out. And we trying to find a way to follow that up. So that's the first thing that we want to do. So the additional thing is we're probably going to put this into our coaches um, referee or coaches officials conference, you know, that 90 minutes before the game is just to remind them that that's how we're going to do this during the game. Uh, how they like to handle it is where we can fix something, do it. We don't want to stop a snap. Um, if you if you observe something when they come up to the line and play is imminent, at the end of the play, we're going to get to that player and send them off. The key here is we're not stopping the game. We're not resetting a play clock. If it's on the offense, we go right into substitution mechanics. So, you know, they're sort of on the clock there. The defense doesn't get such a luxury how it's, how it's written right now. We're just going to send them off. And, and they'll have to substitute. And then the, the option there is for the team to take a timeout and they can fix whatever problem, make it legal, legal and keep that player in the game. So we're going to have to work with our conferences to see if they're going to follow that exactly or how they want that handled. But in general, it's going to be the mechanics of taking care of this is how we can get this done without creating a problem. Okay, so so far in the spring, have you guys been chatting with um, coaches at some of these spring practices and at least getting them ready for this? Because we still have seen it quite a bit um, from players, but you know we want to try and start uh, reminding them now. I would assume, huh? Yeah, at, at the scrimmages I, I've been at, we really haven't. They have um, uh, designated rules, appointments, situations, um, but at several of the colleges, equipment managers, this has been discussed. Uh, and in passing the players, uh, absolutely. What the coordinators asked us to do is in the fall practices prior to the season, mm-hmm. when, when you're up there, is go ahead and bounce someone out of the game. And that might uh, sort of give them an indication of how, how serious we are in that. So if you can get it done in a fall practice, uh, I think that's sort of where they'd like this thing to, to start. Uh, so when we get into regular season, they'll, they'll have sort of a taste of that. Okay, great, great. Well, moving on from the uniform police, let's go to one of my favorites, actually, um, is the play clock after touchdowns and kickoffs, where we're going to change from a 25-second to a 40-second. What's that going to look like? Uh, Correct. Uh, You know, again, so the rule's pretty clear. After a touchdown, we're going to go to a 40-second play clock. 
And um, following a kickoff with the change of possession, we're going to go to a 40-second. So, again, it's going to be really in handling of the mechanics. Uh, after a touchdown, uh, whoever signals the touchdown, we're going to want the play clock to take sort of a deep breath. Uh, I call it a two-count, and then we're going to set it to 40 and let it go. Um, couple of issues. If they're going to go for a two-point conversion, they have until 25 seconds is on that clock to move the ball. Uh, we're going to put it in the middle. We can do everything we've, we, we've done in the past. If you're going for two, where do you want the ball? And we can move it up until 25. So that sort of has to be clarified prior to the game with the coaching staff. Okay. If we're in a game with replay, that clock's going to come down. If replay cannot confirm a touchdown and the clock goes under 25, we're going to pump it back up to 25. Okay. Um, what we've talked about is we're going to try and the rules committee and the supervisors are going to try to have a mechanic where we stop the play clock at 25. So that way teams don't get into any type of situation where they think the clock's running out and we're standing over the ball because of replay. So rather than have that, and we're going to pump it up to 25 anyways, that's, that's what we're going to talk about is just stopping it at 25, get our confirmation, then put the ball back in play. Uh, the kickoff, very similar situation. We would tell our play clock operators, don't go too quick. Um, but certainly within a, within a count or two, set it at 40. We want both teams out there. Same situation. You know, mechanically, we have to get a new ball, get in position, and get a spot where they want the ball. Um, so, again, our mechanics have to be good, and they have until 25 seconds on that clock to designate uh, where they want the ball position one through five. If we do not put a ball down by 25 seconds, those rules still apply, and we'll have to pump it up to 25. So I, I think – the, the key here is just our mechanics and communication with, with each team. Why wouldn't they, and I, I mean, I have my, my guesses, my philosophies, but why not um, after a change of possession on a scrimmage kick? Um, any talk about that? Yeah. Uh, half of that was done uh, because in games with television, it is uncommon after a free kick to have a timeout. Sometimes they'll need to double up, but it's more common on a scrimmage kick to go to a TV time TV. Okay. and that throws, do we have to rush out? Do we wait? You get people running back and forth. So they wanted to do it within the continuity and flow of, a, of how we do things today. Perfect. Gotcha. Okay. So the, <clears throat> the next one is uh, kind of dealing with kickoffs as well. It's um, the fair catch, new fair catch rule on kickoffs. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the, the rule is fairly simple. Um, if we make a fair catch and complete it inside the receiver's 25, it will not be a touchback, but we will treat it like a touchback. We will put the ball at the 25. We'll give them the option of position one through five. We'll set the play clock to 40 and we'll go. Uh, a couple of interesting things, even though they don't deem it a touchback, uh, certain rules such as um, illegal formation of a wedge that will be dealt with like a touchback. So if we have what would be an illegal wedge, they make a fair catch inside the 25. We are going to uh, cancel that foul or wave off the foul. However you do it. Um, the succeeding spot will be the 25 yard line. Uh, so if we have any uh, fouls by team a during the kick, 
Uh, the 25-yard line will be that enforcement spot. Uh, Kick-catch interference will also be deemed, I believe, at the 25, and they were going to clarify that. So we need to clarify that. Yeah, okay. We would happen to have kick-catch interference with a fair catch signal. So you'd have to sort of have both on that. Um, but they're still clarifying that because if they make a fair catch, does it go from the spot of the foul or the succeeding spot, which were probably the same in this case. So that's something that they're going to clarify. Um, where, where they also said is even if the signal would be considered invalid, yeah, right. we are going to consider that all signals with a catch to go to the 25 yard line at any inbound spot. Uh, even there's no penalty for an invalid fair catch. They don't get the dead ball protection, but the key here is they don't want run backs. Any signal that they make um, kills it. Couple of cautions. It has to be the person who catches it. They have to complete it. It can't be a, a teammate that signals for it. Uh, all other aspects of a fair catch have to be followed. Um, try down opportunity to score. This is this is uh, is this where we're the extension of a period where or the at the end of the game where they can just yeah ignore or, or refuse to, to attempt the try. Yeah, uh, pretty much anything that's been within one or two points. The rule said we've had to create the try because obviously the the team the uh, the defender at that point has the opportunity to tie the game and everybody is taking a knee. So, and yeah, you know, those big end of the game, hail Mary's, you have to clear the field. You deal with unsportsman likes. So now we give the option to the team that scored. And the reason they have an option is there might be some, uh, league or team, uh, goals or implications such as all time leading scorer most points in a season, most extra points, whatever. So they do have the option. It's again, it's just going to be communication with us. If there is something that would loom, we might know about it before the game. So we don't have to go chase people down, but they do have the option. uh, But we think it's going to be for those purposes only. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about the like records and things like that. That might come into play. And and that will help calm the opponent who they're saying, well, what are they doing that for? Here's why I believe universities, uh, uh, colleges, they understand those opportunities for a team or an individual uh, achievement. Yeah, sure. So um, next is our favorite that changes every year, (laughs) blocking below the waist. (laughs) Rule 916. What's changed this year? What's changed is they haven't eliminated it completely. <laughs> completely. They're getting closer. <laughs> we could take our own vote. Um, yeah. they, they have cleared it up a little bit, uh, made it a little easier. They didn't add too much to it that, that we would have to change our focus. There's a couple of things. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing is only linemen in the tackle box while they're, while they're in the tackle box can block from the side. Right. We don't yeah. have to worry about any backs, any motion, Anything else. It's just typically five linemen or the five, the linemen who are in that tackle box, they can go from the side. So that cleans up any type of side block. Um, you're going to get that from uh, a back who's pass protecting. Um, so we have to watch for that uh, type of situation or players who would go across the formation. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is 
We've created a five yard beyond the line of scrimmage um, markation that anything clearly beyond that, you may not block below the waist. And the reason for that, it matches the defensive rules. Even though the defenders have five yards on the offensive side and defense, the offense now, anything clearly beyond five yards cannot block below the waist from any direction. So um, we'll have to put sort of five yards in our pre-snap routine, understand that, but anything after five, neither team will be blocking below the waist legally. So with that five yard clearly, um, there was some discussion um, at some of, the, some of the practices early in the year before this was really defined. We were People were wondering, are we going to treat it like um, in, a legal man downfield? Is it just breaking the plane or is it clearly? So we're going we're gonna to rule as it just like kind of last year, right? Cle- clearly beyond the neutral zone, but clearly beyond five yards. Now we're, we're dirty. Yeah. We can't block off, off the record, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage on, on punts or, or kicks or passes, uh, mm-hmm. whether a player is beyond or behind the line, the rules say everything beyond. Uh, right. The only one that they don't do that is a legal man downfield. So again, work with your individual conference, but in general mm-hmm. terms, let's make it clearly beyond um, unless somebody's really sitting there at five yards, we're going to be judging this from a slight angle. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good. In motion. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and Steve, just to be clear, um, that stationary back that was um, kind of partially in the tackle box, what can he do or what can he or she do? So uh, the difference there is they, they may still block. Um, they're, they, they have to block like everyone else from the front they are allowed to technically create a crackback block. So players in that box may block back towards the original position of the ball, but they must do it from the front. And on the crackback, we don't have any markations for the rest of the players if the ball crosses the line of scrimmage or not. So anybody that is lined up outside the tackle box or in motion at any time during that down, may not block back towards the original position of the ball. Period. 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 Gotcha. Yeah, that Period makes that makes things really. Yeah, that 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 simplifies a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to another rule that they've been playing with the last couple of years, um, this rule is around leaping. Uh, could you tell us the changes with that? Yeah, they, they wanted to, to sort of hone this in with leaping the shield versus leaping on a on a, a scoring kick, try or field goal. And, and what the questions that came up is how we wanted to handle a player who came from beyond one yard, jumped straight up, landed down, wasn't around anybody, um, whether that was going to be a foul, how close they had to be, et cetera, et cetera. So what they said now is – if you come from outside and you jump, if you in any way from shoulder to shoulder of the opponent go through that space up in the air, you've created a leaping foul. Uh, so, it, it, you know, the rule says leaving his feet, leaving a player's feet and leaping into the plane directly above the frame of the body of an opponent. That way, if they run up, jump straight up and there's nobody there, it's not a foul. But if they try to get through a gap, unless they clearly have broken a gap, primarily if they leap forward, they're going to be in somebody's space and we're going to have a situation like that. 
And they've, they've done that for the same on a uh, blocking a scrimmage kick, a, a punt inside the tackle box. Yeah, with 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 these field goals uh, alignments and these try alignments, how tight these splits are, um, it's going to be tough to find a gap. I mean, <laughs> yeah, depending on the formation, but um, you know, with these these linemen that usually cross the legs at the snap to really tighten things down, uh, right. they don't have a lot of room there. So okay, yeah. So I think it just clarifies the ones that we didn't know what exactly they wanted. I think it's a little more clear here. All right. So another, we'll stay with, we'll stay with some field goal plays. So now we have a little change with personal fouls during a successful field goal attempt. All right. Yeah. They changed personal fouls and unsportsmanlike conduct to be in line with tries. Basically no cheap fouls. Uh, we don't, we don't want them to get away with anything. So uh, just as we would do on try for points on a kick, if there is a field goal that is made, Fouls are declined if they want to keep the points, except for personal fouls or unsportsmanlike conduct against the opponent. Those can carry over either to overtime or to the succeeding kickoff. Okay. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's a good rule. Yeah, it just it, it makes it easier that we don't you know when they try a field goal from the three, we you know there's no confusion on what we're doing if they would rough the kicker. Leaping comes in into this situation. Any of those personal fouls, or it could be an unsportsmanlike live ball, unsportsmanlike conduct. If that should happen, we may, in in theory, carry those over. Um, obviously, if the score is no good, we would penalize those as usual. Yeah. So realistically, because I was thinking about this one quite a bit. Realistically, they're just putting this in there really just so people can't get away with cheap, cheap fouls is the way I'm looking at it. Because majority of the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, these these carry an automatic first down. So um, I guess the, the point is we, we got to make sure that we communicate with the, the, the coach that, hey, you want to take points off the board and keep the ball or do you want to keep keep the points and, and enforce? So, yeah. Um, and if you think of it, you know, if there's if there's a last, it's at the end of the first half yeah. with 10 seconds and you're out there mm-hmm. on the 30-yard line and they the defense says, yeah, just go get them. If there's yep. a foul, you know, they're going to get 15 yards, they're going to have to kick another field goal. Now they can have the points, clock can run out, you can take it on the second half, you know, uh, on the succeeding spot. So it's really end of the halves is where you, you just – it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't, you know, they couldn't take the first down. Right. And those, those were the, the, the two exceptions that or the, the two situations that made perfect sense to me or the, the, at the end of the game, those types of things. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So let's move on to another one. Um, 10 second runoffs. <laughs> There's they keep adding uh, options for 10 second runoffs and they added another one. Yeah, could you talk about that? Sure, they did. You know, they're they're trying to get re- replay rules. The more they get into it, there's some inequities with the clock situations. Um, so they 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 took this with the understanding that normally around 10 seconds, you could from the end of one play to another. And there were situations last year where time was of the essence. Team was trying to get down there and then replay stopped the game and basically gave them a free timeout. And right. if replay, you know, if if the ruling stood or anything or they reversed it, they got a free timeout. They just want to make it equitable. 
So, uh, and, and we went over some, some extensive examples. So it, it seems to play out pretty well. If we're under a minute in either half, replay stops the game and they create a change of the rule where the clock would not have stopped. Uh, and we can go through some examples. Um, they will reset the clock to that exact time where that play should have ended and run 10 seconds off. Now, the difference is it doesn't come under the 10-second subtraction where you have to ask one team or the other. Uh, there's no option to decline it in this, in this case. It is a 10-second runoff. Either team would have to have a timeout, and it could be offense. It could be defense. doesn't matter. They would have to use a timeout to prevent the 10-second runoff. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of things to think about there. So, um, so as, as an example, let's say team A, there's, you know, let's say there's 15 seconds left in the game. Team A, um, it's first and goal from like the eight, they run to the two. And, um, you know, there's, you know, double action into the end zone. And, and, uh, we rule touchdown on the play, right? Yes. So replace stops the game to look at that and determines that his knee was down like at the two, the ball should be probably at the, you know, one and a half. And so now the clock's going to start again. Yeah. Well, so if there was only, if there was less than 10 seconds left in the, in the half, the half would be over at this point. Right? Replay would need to look at that. And the moment the knee went down, they would have to freeze the clock. They would have to have a clock in their picture and we'd reset, technically reset the clock to that time. And because there was no first down made, no penalty, no other reason the clock would stop, we would deduct 10 seconds, which could end the game. So if a team has a timeout, obviously they'll, they'll stop it. So if, if that clock is at nine and they have no timeouts, the game is ended. And, uh, you know, they've all agreed that it's 10 seconds is the time that normally from the end of one play to getting the ball spotted. And, and we know teams can do it quicker than that. But that, that is going to be the parameters. Um, the one thing we have to be cautious of is you could have situations where you have a long pass downfield. You have an offside on the defense. They decline it. You go downfield. Well, now replay comes back and realizes the quarterback's knee was on the ground. And there's 40 seconds left, and that clock is going to run. But now we have to remember we have to put that penalty back in the equation, which would have stopped the clock, and therefore there is no runoff. So we have to be very diligent that we clean, you know, if we go back and replay, we could be putting back things that were taken away, and we just have to make sure that there was no other reason, first downs, penalties, helmets, whatever reason the clock would have stopped. Crew, crew communication is going to be big on that. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, it's big on everything. But. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just ask all the questions. <laughs> That's right. So the other IR was minimum time for a, uh, for a play that was been with, withdrawn. Yeah. Uh, we really applaud the supervisor, Steve Shaw. When, when we got there, as you know, the best thing about officials is once we hear of something, we start thinking of the 95 different <laughs> So the first day we, we got to every supervisor and started asking questions. And the biggest question was, 
what they said is in the situation Dwayne gave with the player scores a touchdown, but yet we see his knee down, we're going to go back and put time back on that clock to where he was down. And if they have a timeout, we'd freeze it. But if there was under three seconds, to, we, we couldn't do that. But yet if we were at 12 seconds and ran it down to two, we could do that. So it was an inequity of why could a team run two seconds one way, but not the other. They all looked at it and said, that doesn't make sense. Uh, the other issue was, would replay officials not review a play because there was less than three when that situation happened, but maybe there was a flag down that would come back into play. They just didn't want to have any problems, any inequities. Uh, so on 427, that was the rule. And 10 a.m. on 428, they withdrew the rule, and we're not going to use that. Um, so we're going to move on to some of the editorial changes. That um, and we're going to start with the uh, the definition of a forward pass. Um, you want to talk about that change? Yeah, this is um, you know on the field. Uh, if we're good enough to see exactly that, uh, it's great. But what they did is the forward pass starts with an intentional movement of the hand. Uh, prior to this, it included or the arm. Uh, I guess there were situations where maybe the arm started, but the hand stayed back. Um, so when you're looking at replay or you're making your decision on the field, we're focusing on that, the movement, uh, forward movement of the hand to start a legal forward pass or to start a forward pass. So that's that's really realistic, like you like you mentioned in the beginning, more more for replay to, to yeah. uh, have have a little more concrete of yeah. of the ruling. Okay, on the field, we're instead of saying his arm went forward, we're going to say his hand went forward. Um, you know, we're going to be looking. You know, we could focus a little more in that case of what we see. So especially on announcements, if you're yeah. going to throw out a nugget, that's an announcement change as yep. well for you, then, huh? Yeah, it's a good point. The, the hand started forward rather than the arm, and okay. that's a great point. Okay. Uh, what about uh, unfair clock tactics? What do we got changed there? Uh, this was uh, this this rule was created after the, I think the first or second week of last year. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. This this is not the unfair act. Uh, what this does it changes uh, the rule of the under two minute penalty against an opponent when you're ahead or tied that they have the option to go on the snap. They've eliminated that that's the only reason the clock stopped. Uh, and, and where it came, the inequity came, is a team holds and gains seven yards and we take the penalty and times of an issue. If a first down was made, we couldn't, the defense couldn't stop the clock. This year they can. So it's not the only reason. If there's any foul against the team, uh, they have the option to stop the clock. Uh, I don't believe we have to accept it. That didn't change, but you have to, it has to be the opponent who is tied or behind in the score right. and the clock would have started. So now it's just, it's, it's just, we just took the word only oh, reason out, out yeah. right now. So, so, yeah. so just, you can have a helmet situation and a foul. You could have a penalty and a foul. You could have any of those combinations. Bottom line is if you foul and the clock would start and you're ahead or tied, your opponent makes a decision when, where they want to go. And that makes it easier for us uh, to, that we don't have to arbitrarily institute three, four, three. But the key point is the clock's going to start again. So if we have a, a, a foul and the result is an incomplete pass, 
Yeah. And we're going to just, we're going to just stay at the snap. We're not going to go the opposite direction. Okay. Currently we have no situation that we could actually start a clock that otherwise would have gone on the snap. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one's kind of interesting. Uh, it's the, it's an editorial around the, a loose ball out of bounds or being, well, I'll let you <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. Last year in, in the championship game, it was a very interesting play where a receiver went up near the sideline, went in the air, and, and what we would call controlled the ball. But to complete the process, he had a, a player had to come down inbounds and control. While that was happening, the defender, with his hand on the ball, was first to touch out of bounds. And in the rule, uh, there was no possession, therefore it was still a pass, and a pass touched by a player who's out of bounds is dead and incomplete. So technically that great catch would have been ruled incomplete by the letter of the law. So everybody looked at that and said, no, we want that to be a catch. So once a player inbounds is in control of the ball, but not have completed the process, this could be a fumble recovery, uh, a backward pass, grounded backward pass, um, change of possession on a kick, any type of loose ball that is controlled prior to final possession you know, is is not going to be considered out of bounds if an opponent is touching it well out of bounds. So if it's not yes, in control and somebody out of bounds touches it, then it's out of bounds. So it's it's, it's basically coming to the rule of uh, a ball held by a player as long as it's in yeah. control of a player and it's touching something, a uh, person, a uh, player, equipment out of bounds it's uh it's not ruled out of bounds okay good we don't have to have the final possession he ultimately has to have final possession if he then would land out of bounds or that player those rules still apply sure okay what what uh what kind of changes we got with roughing the passer this year or as far as editorial changes go i think what they've done is all the things we've been taught about roughing the passer and and uh you know in the cfo the terry mccauley document about uh, roughing the passer in the past. They're just trying to put those into words. Um, one of the issues we've had is where we call targeting against the passer, if that was the only call, how can we not have roughing also? And I, I think we've, we've gone back to make sure that the original intent of roughing the passer is more clear. So forcible contact, we know, uh, to the head or neck area of a passer as a defenseless player. But if it doesn't rise to meet all the requirements of targeting, that's, that's going to be roughing the passer. So in theory, we should probably have roughing the passer on every targeting. Um, there, there's, there's potentially a couple of situations you wouldn't, um, but, okay. but they, they basically just more spelled out all the parameters landing on an opponent with force, throwing opponents, uh, a passer down, uh, those situations that we've called now will be in the rule book and be uh, easier to describe to everybody. Okay, good, good, good. Um, and there are a couple of mechanics changes like CCA uh, uh, things that will probably be in the CCA manual here coming yes. up. Um, the first one is around on punts. Uh, who who uh, ho- holds up the this is probably, this is probably more for eight man mechanics. This is an eight man mechanic. Um, eight person mechanics. Sorry, mechanic. You are correct. Yep. 
basically in a obvious uh, fourth down scrimmage kick where both teams are coming onto the field to, you know, in a punt formation, we're going to have the umpire monitor holding up the ball. Uh, if everything is, is, is flow, uh, kicking team comes on in a fluid motion. Receivers are coming out to match up. The referee will uh, hold the, hold the snap. The umpire will monitor it. It uh, doesn't necessarily have to be standing exactly over the ball, but however he would hold up, the umpire would hold up the center and we'll let them monitor it. If there's any unusual, the offense delays until a certain amount on the play clock. Uh, there's additional substitutions. Uh, they switch into a formation uh, with substitutes. The center judge will still be responsible for that substitution process. So this way, the center judge can get in to a correct position on a scrimmage kick uh, and, and able to officiate that play correctly. Okay, good. Gotcha. Um, this one, I wish we had video so you can give us a good <laughs> example. But yeah. uh, teams leaving the bench area. The, this is um, this is something I think uh, happened last year. Uh, but they're just going to put put a rule, a black and white behind it. They put they put more of a, a parameter. What happened last year? Okay, a um, couple of teams got out there. Everybody was out there. Um, not enough for a fight. Not enough to eject everybody. And the referee on the game decided to assess everybody with an unsportsmanlike, which was sort of novel. And I think we all sat back and go, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, that yeah. should calm everything down. But then you saw a next game where uh, in a bench area, one team sort of came out and the people, the players on the field came over, but not the whole team. And there was a, maybe a couple of players and that crew assessed everybody. And I, it got to be to where anything that happened, we were just assessing anybody in a few situations. So these are guidelines. Sure. Clearly, if you have specific players, those are the players we want to assess the unsportsmanlike. Uh, if you have something prior to the game where there's, again, a handful of players, if it needs to have penalty, that's fine. But we're not going to use um, assessing everybody with an unsportsmanlike when clearly half of the team is standing there and are going to get, get penalized. We'll use it when it really should be used. And now that it was used once, they've given us guidelines uh, that this has to be very significant that we're going to charge both teams. Um, we have to go take care of the issues at hand and penalize those players that need to be penalized. Okay. Gotcha. And um, if I recall if, for instance, a player already has one unsportsmanlike foul already, and then you were to um, you were to assess the entire team with an unsportsmanlike foul, yes, yeah, too. is that two on them? I, and this happened last year. It happened reverse. Both teams were assessed with a with an unsportsmanlike, and later in the game, someone spiked the ball or did something, and they were disqualified because of the second. So yeah, everybody, it's everybody. Okay. Let's see what's next here. So, oh, this one. Um, I think everybody saw this one on TV. Yeah. Um, But this one's around whenever there's a blatant and obvious intentional fouls. Can you talk about it? So this happened at the Cal North Carolina game. Uh, Teams talk about this all the time. 
when they get near the end of the half and they usually have more than one score lead, they would sort of create a foul, get the clock down to zero. And if that team would score fine, they can't score twice. Well, it sort of got out of hand where they didn't just sort of hold a receiver going downfield. They tackled three people on the play like twice in a row. Um, That's not the game of football. So that was an in-season rule change that if we have a blatant and obvious intentional foul that goes, you know, not the one where uh, a cornerback is beat and the receiver's going by, the ball's in the air, and he tackles his feet. Okay, we, we understand that's, that is pass interference. That happens sometimes. Uh, but this is something above and beyond that. And we would cite each player that is responsible. In the case of last year, that would have been three separate players with an unsportsmanlike. And had we warned them before the game and given them unsportsmanlike, that would be their second. We would enforce the foul and we would reset the clock to the time that that snap occurred. Just like the play never happened. Start again. Absolutely. Okay. Nice. Um, Mechanic addition. I won't even say a change, but an addition because of the new rule for the fair catch on free kicks inside the 25 yard line. We got uh, some fair catch alerts for the referee headlines or head headline judge. Well, I guess I'm jumping ahead, but yeah. Um, and the line judge, what is it? So what are you, what are you guys starting to talk about that currently? About The first thing is, you know, if you, if we think about it uh, now that we're going to go to scrimmages and we know this, um, you know, during, during kickoffs, we, we need to change headline, headline judges and uh, lines, uh, line judges usually are not uh, officiating fair catches. Even on the free kick pooch kicks, um, you'll see some, but normally those are in a range of the field judge, side judge, if they go down down the sidelines, but anything. So the whole crew now has to be responsible for player signaling uh, as well as uh, getting uh, being responsible for the area of, their, of the first action that they need to officiate. So we need to have the an idea where the ball's kicked, players in that area. Uh, so referees, in addition to looking for the wedge, as they look through their receivers, are going to have you know, uh, a little idea if there's going to be a signal made. What I feel will happen the first few weeks, and maybe even in practices, you're going to get some, some players panic a little bit, and they know that if that kicks around the 10, they want to fair catch it. You're going to get one player in the middle of the field signal and the player near the hash marks making the catch. So it's not just where the ball is. We have to be cognizant of all receivers, uh, and it has to be done as a crew. Uh, Any type of signal would kill that. They wouldn't get the 25-yard line, but it certainly did. Uh, You get balls that hit the ground, and then they're going to go, oh, fair catch. Uh, Well, that's not a fair catch. The ball's dead, and they're going to get the ball at the three-yard line or wherever they possess it, and they're not going to figure that out. type of thing. Uh, usually kick punt returners are pretty good at it, but our kickoff returners good at identifying when they need to give a fair catch. So I think we're going to get some screwy situations, some bad signals, uh, balls will be on the ground, other players that aren't catching the ball. So the, the, the deep officials on that are now going to have to officiate in addition to everything else, officiate signals by the receivers. 
Yeah, that's a good point. There's going to be some more pregame discussions with players as far as signals go and uh, validity and what we're looking for. I mean, we've got to expand that just from our punt from our punt receivers to some kickoff yeah, returners so, now too. So yeah. we go when we go out before the game. You know, as referees, sometimes we watch the kickers and which direction they run up, so we know where they're kicking it. You can pretty much figure out how they're doing it. But now I suggest the headline judge and line judge to also go back uh, mm-hmm. where there's a receiver and, you know, just sort of know who's going to be returning uh, kicks. Uh, hopefully we won't get those up linemen signaling for no reason, but that's just going to happen sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> since we're uh, kind of teased it a little bit, um, there's a pending, uh, a pending change um, for the, uh, previously named headlinesman. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about so, that? You know, in, in, in our, whatever it is that we do, it's a, it's ever evolving. Um, yep. The diversity of, of who's officiating is growing. Uh, men or women yep. are involved and uh, they're trying to get ahead of, head of the game. So there are no issues where anybody is slighted. We know what the NFL did. Um, knock on wood that the NCA decided to keep the H for the position. So we don't have to go out and buy new shirts, but we will be, that position will be known as the headline judge. Uh, as in every walks of life, uh, things are changing every day. Uh, we're all good with it. Uh, yep. And we, you know, we just have to be cognizant of, of everybody that's, that's in our uh, application. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. So, That's why yeah, uh, exactly. I corrected myself with uh, eight person mechanics versus eight man. So I do that every day. Yep. yep. So now does the headline judge get to boss around the line judge since he's uh, <laughs> higher up the chain? Order of priority here. I can I can see the uh, <laughs> people with the H are starting to strut a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. And so just kind of lastly, there's uh, just a kind of guidance around the referee's measurement mechanics. Don't, uh, you want to talk? don't, don't, don't uh, measure with uh, the wrong side showing it, it's, <laughs> we don't do this a lot. We, we all go out there before a game saying, let's not have one. Uh, but the time that you do it, if it looks poorly, you know, everybody, you know, that's all they focus on. Um, how, how I remember it is press box, Chain, ball, me. Uh, so we're always going to face the press box and we're always going to be the furthest one away from the press box. And uh, so that way we're facing the press box. We rule on it. We signal from there or announce or do whatever it is we want to do. It, it's, it's just easier when we know we're facing the press box. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's, that's about it for the meat of it. Um, yeah. Do you have anything that we may have missed that, that you think of importance that you want to add? I think, uh, you know, spring ball is pretty much done. We, we have camps and clinics. Um, I think we take some of these these ideas and, and put it in the forepart of our pre-snaps and our officiating and try to get them to be normal for the 2018 season. Okay. Yeah. Well, Steve, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. We'll talk soon, okay? Take care.
stuff. Big time. Yeah. So Steve's always great to talk to. He is. He just have a, has a way to, of looking at the rules that's different. It's not yep. super technical, but he gets all his points across. Yes. It's, you know, it's conversational. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, easy to listen to. Yep. Yeah. I, I really enjoy listening to him. He's, he's a great rules guy. He's oh, got, yeah. he's got really good ways to explain things to help mm-hmm. you kind of, um, hone some rules that you may not understand how to explain to others. And he's real good at that. So that was great to have him on. Yeah. Great to have him on. Yep. Yep. So, Appreciate it. Um, so with that, that's yeah. it for today. I mean, we can, we can touch on a little business if we'd like. Um, uh, we can go same stuff at the yeah. beginning yep. website, rule 11 officials.com. Everything's rule 11 officials yep. at rule 11 officials and rule 11 officials at gmail.com. So, yep. So go check them out. Give us a give us a feedback. Give us a shot. Give us a shout. Yep. Thanks. Send us send send us something to, that you want to hear, and yep. we'll we'll, uh, we'll try to make Christmas happen early. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. Please. Yes. Yep. Please share this with others. Yes. Share it along. Share it along. Okay. We're gonna talk to you again next week. We want to thank you so much for taking the time and listening to Rule 11. We hope you got something from today's conversation just as much as we did. If there's any topic discussed from today's show that you'd like to come back to, please visit our website at www.rule11officials.com for any show notes and or documents that we have around today's show. Also, if you have any comments, suggestions, or future show topics, shoot us an email at rule11officials at gmail.com. I promise we'll read them all. One final thing is, please subscribe wherever you are listening to this publication. That way you can get alerts for the latest and greatest conversations. Now, enjoy the fight song of the week and have a great day. We want to thank you.